Do you love NFL football fun and booze? Join us at Thurston Gold Podcast every Saturday night for weekly NFL coverage, whiskey, bourbon, scotch, and beer reviews. We mix expert football analysis with signature drinks, original segments, and lots and lots of laughs. Yes, that's right, football fans. Please join us at Thurston Gold Podcast by heading over to thurstongold.buzzsprout.com or search Thurston Gold on the web. If you're tired of boring podcasts, come join our football party. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game ball. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome back in, football fans. Hope you are all safe and well. We are whizzing through these division by division, way too early previews, and we are now moving to the NFC finally. And we're going to begin things in the NFC East, and we're going to start off by talking about those G-men. And to do that, I'm welcoming Jack to the podcast. How you doing, mate? I'm all good, mate. Thank you. How's yourself? Not bad, mate. Keeping well, all things considered. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, we've just been talking off air. Nice, sunny day, mate. So we're all enjoying a bit of time in the garden, those of us that are fortunate enough. So uh, making the best of things that we can, mate. Absolutely. Indeed, talk, mate, indeed. talk us through, then, mate, the Giants so far this off-season. Um, obviously a team that um, you know had a difficult campaign last time around. Obviously the transition was going to happen at some point away from Eli Manning and the trigger was pulled on that move last year. Um, so talk us through what uh, moves have happened so far in free agency, mate, for the Giants. Um, nothing as uh, well. I wouldn't say no. You see James Bradbury coming in from the Panthers, cornerback. Um, I personally believe he was probably the best corner available in free free agency. Uh, uh, well, him and Byron Jones. Um, he's excellent in man coverage, which is great for Patrick Graham's defense at the Giants. So. The only thing with uh, Bradbury, he does remind me a lot of Janoris Jenkins. He um, tends to sleep on third downs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't, it's, to me, it's not a massive upgrade on Jenkins. I just see it's more of the same player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, uh, not, so not, not a good trait for a corner, but mate, sleeping on third down. But uh, <laughs> fingers crossed he can, uh, <laughs> he can uh, write that wrong. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, as I say, it, it's, it was a, it was a it was a weird market for cornerbacks. There wasn't a lot of big names available. As I say, Bradbury and Byron Jones were probably the two biggest. Uh, they also brought in Blake Martinez, which I did really like. We 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 really need help uh, with our linebackers at the Giants. So I, I really did like. We get I say it every year. Like I do a fantasy podcast, and I I always stream Titans versus the Giants because they get absolutely burned. I mean, Jason Witten scores about six touchdowns every year against the Giants, it seems like. Uh, so, I mean, Blake Martinez, he played under Patrick Graham at the Packers in 2018. Uh, he, he just a, he's a natural-born leader, and I, this defence needs a leader. He, um, whilst under Patrick Graham in Green Bay, he had the communications helmet on. So, uh, our, our young defence just needs someone to grab them all, you know, by the scruff, basically, and just say, this is what we're playing, this is, this is, uh, this is the play we're playing on this town, etc., etc. So, I, I, I really like the Blake Martinez sign. It's a three-year deal, and a lot, a lot of the deals they've done the Giants this year were heavily front-loaded with the free agents. 
which is um, I also like because you can get out of these deals after year one if these players are not performing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think with Martinez, I mean, he's a tackle monster, isn't he? I think I read a stat that he'd averaged over yeah. a, sort of something like 147 tackles over the last three seasons. Um, so, like you say, certainly going to be a leader. I mean, potentially slightly overpriced for a guy that, you know, he's, he's certainly, like I say, a tackle monster and probably a leader. He's not going to make, you know, too many splash plays. But I suppose, you know, for everything you've just said there, he's, he's probably an ideal fit for what the Giants needed, yeah. isn't he? Absolutely. So, seems like a sensible move. No, definitely. I mean, I've read somewhere that must have been the same sort of stats um, that he, he's got more tackles in that period than Bobby Wagner. And I'm a massive Bobby Wagner fan. So yeah. that's, um, you know, that's very impressive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, a couple of other moves just of now. Obviously, franchise tag for Leonard Williams. Was um, was you surprised by that? Or do you think they'd get him signed up to a longer term deal? I mean, I'm not surprised about it. They gave up, what, a third round pick for him last year? Um, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised they franchise tagged him. I don't believe he's probably worth the franchise tag. And I, no, I don't. I can't see them getting a long term deal done with Williams myself. Doesn't seem like he's. He doesn't seem a right fit. I, I, I get what. Because a lot of people get on Gettleman's back um, about what he's doing there. I, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring in these leaders. Uh, we, we had a lot of bad eggs in the locker room with Janoris Jenkins, Eric Flowers, Eli Apple, just to name a few. Uh, but So I, I do get what Gettleman's doing, but Williams seems like he's on that same path as a Janoris Jenkins, Eli Apple to me. Doesn't seem like a right fit for what they're trying to do there, get these leaders. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think he's a player that probably hasn't quite lived up to his draft billing, has he, since he's entered the league. So it'll be interesting to see what he does under the franchise tag. He'll obviously be backing himself to make some big money. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if he can actually finally put it together. Um, Obviously, a number of the other moves, essentially, for depth. Um, I'll ask the question just because it's always good for a bit of quarterback controversy. Any chance Colt McCoy's going to push Danny Dimes, do you think? <laughs> I actually, um, I really like the signing of Colt McCoy. It's a, it's a cheap deal, and um, I think he's, he's a professional. Like He's the type of guy you want in the lead, uh, locker room. Um, I, I, you know, so no chance he pushes Danny Dimes unless there's some sort of injury. But um, I, I think he's the ideal backup. He reminds me, it's a bit like Brian Hoyer, so to speak. Just, you know, that sort of backup you need there. Like, a good, good, good vet backup to have behind the young QB. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it when I actually read that he would spend six years with the Redskins. I seem to remember him like playing for the Browns, it seems like, just like a couple of years ago. But six years, he's actually been in Washington, which yeah. I found unbelievable. But, um, yeah, good to see him. Like and, you say, he's a good And the Redskins pro. really liked him. Yeah, yeah just... the Redskins really did like him, so... Yeah, he's just unfortunately for him. He's always been stuck on a sort of depth chart where they've had sort of two or three options and, uh, you know, they've always had someone that's potentially got a little bit more upside or whatever. And he's, he's kind of never really probably had a, a fair crack of the whip, so to speak. But like you say, coming in as a backup, he's certainly got that veteran presence. He's started games and he's going to be reliable if he is called into action. Obviously, fingers crossed that Daniel Jones stays injury-free and obviously progresses. You know, there's plenty of signs of promise last year. Um, so let's hope that obviously continues. Um, obviously, we're a couple of weeks away now, mate, from the draft. Obviously, the Giants slated as the number four overall selection. If you were handed the cards for the evening, where would you be looking to improve the team? Um, I'd be trading out of this pick if, if I was um, <laughs> in charge. Uh, I, I, they won't, 
it's not Gettman's style. Uh, so I, I, I think they should go with Chris, uh, Christian Wolfs, um, out of defensive tackle out of Iowa. Just he's a he's a big, powerful guy. The Giants have not got a good history of drafting tackles, though, which does worry me. Um, but he's you know he's a big, powerful tackle. He gets out of his stance really quickly, and he's just he's just strong, aggressive. A guy he plays angry. Um, so I, I, if they're going to make the move, they need to protect Daniel Jones at all costs, really, if they're going to make a move at 1.4. But I'm, I really, really want them to trade out of this pick. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes just in those first three picks. I think everyone's obviously got Burrow down to, to Cincinnati. It then just depends if someone is going to be prepared to trade up and take that sort of you know chance on on tour um, to get ahead of yep. ahead of Miami, and they are obviously going to potentially be the ones to counteract any offers. So there could actually be a fairly nice haul just for moving back one spot, and you may well still end up getting the player that you actually want out of this. So if exactly, if Gel- yeah. you know if Geltman uh, can play the cards right, he could end up looking quite intelligent on the night, which would be a pleasant change because he gets plenty of ridicule um, <laughs> most of the time. Um, so that's it's deserved r- as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's round one, buddy. Where where would you think they'll be looking at the rest of the draft just to add some depth across the roster? Uh, so I I see them picking up safety in the second round. Xavier uh, McKinney. Um, it's the one I want from Alabama. He's just a, he's like a Swiss Army knife player. Can do multiple jobs on on the um, field that you that you give him basically. So um, I, I think he'll be a great addition to. A, it's the young secondary already at the Giants, so I, I think he'll be a great addition to that. And uh, I was looking at Jul- Julian Okora from Notre Dame. He's an edge rusher. Um, he he was. Awesome in 2019 until he got a leg injury very late on in November. Um, so yeah, that's maybe a wide receiver down the line as well. To Antonio Gandhi Golden, um, again, a guy has got massive catch radius, and I, I, I think we need to add to our receiving core for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think that's fair, absolutely. And, and talking of receivers, let's turn our attention a little bit to fancy. You've obviously mentioned there, Jack, you're obviously part of a fancy podcast in your own right, but uh, I'll welcome in James from Full 10 Yards for this part of the podcast as well. Evening, James. How are you, mate? I'm all right. Good man. Thanks for jumping in for us. Um, so let's talk then, mate, Giants. Obviously, even I could probably pick up Saquon Barkley, and I'm no fancy expert. So let's move Saquon to one side. He's obviously going to be um, the focal point of the offence. Where else might we be looking for for Giants players, mate, do you think? It's going to be a tricky a tricky one this year. Obviously, Daniel Jones now has a bit more experience under his belt. So you think his weapons could get a little bit more trust. Um problem we've got is Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Evan Engram isn't going to scare many teams. So I agree that you probably do need a bit of receiving help. Um, it's hard to really see Shepard, Tate and Slayton. They very much, you know, there is no wide receiver one. It's like three wide receiver threes. Um, so picking one out, whichever goes last might be a decent pickup at the end, you know, toward the end of a draft. As a good bench option, whoever, whichever of those three is last to go. Um, Evan Engram is going to be an interesting one this year because I'm struggling to trust him. I mean, injury, injury issues, and you know, I'd have thought he'd have already broken out 
a lot more than he has by now. So there's a bit, you know, he leaves lots of his eyes. And I did have heard trade rumours regarding him through this off-season. So I'm not sure the Giants are particularly happy with him either. don't know if Jack will contradict me on that. But, um, yeah, it's second Barker, you'll probably go in the top three picks in most drafts. So, uh, And after that, you, you might not see a Giant go until double digits. Um, do, Jack will bring you in, mate. You I, can come back to that. I no, I tend to agree with you on Evan Ingram. I, I mean, his rookie year was a top five tight end, but um, yeah, he's he's very hard to trust. I I just put him. In, he's in that range with Hunter Henry. He's a hard for fantasy. He's a hard tight end to trust. Um, but I, I think that's the tight end position in fantasy. Really, once you get outside the top three guys, it's just a very hard position to trust. Anyway. So, um, yeah, no, I certainly agree with you there. As for the receivers, they just, the Giants just, all three of them are slot slot guys at at the end of the day. So the Giants, to me, drafting, I mean, they're not going to, but someone like a Jerry Judy, for example, that would be amazing. Like a big bodied receiver, big guy. Um, That's what they need to do. do. Um, If I was to take a punt on any of them at the minute, it's, I'm taking Golden Tate at, at the end of a back end of a lot of drafts. Um, Golden Tate is just productive every year, it seems. I Slayton's I, I, while Slayton was very impressive last year, he's, just, he's going way too high in startup drafts for me um, to get involved. And I, I, I'm I've never ever been able to trust Stone and Shepherd in fantasy. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you in terms of Golden Tate. Like you say, I think you pretty much know what you're going to get with him. He's certainly the proven commodity out the threes, and like you say, he's always Mr. Reliable. He'll come up with a big catch here and there in games at crucial moments as well. Um, just in terms of um, Evan Ingram. And, Go on, James. I was just saying, of the three, looking at the ADP at the moment, Golden Tate is actually the last of the three to go, which further backs yeah. up both points. But yeah, no, Tate's absolutely. the one I'd have as well because he is the last of the three. It's yeah, good, pro- good. projections. I mean, much too early. He's an eleventh rounder. Yeah, like you say, could be some value there. Certainly, could be some value. Um, you just mentioned there, Jack, about Evan Ingram. Not necessarily um, Giants fans that enamoured with him. Certainly, from a fancy perspective, also. You mentioned a guy there in terms of the drafting Jerry Judy. Obviously, at full, we don't think that's going to happen. You said that you would probably trade back. So let's go back to the draft. If you could get a yeah. trade back, how far would you want to trade back? And would it be somebody like Jerry Judy that you'd actually target? Yeah, I mean, I would. Where the Jack, the Jags are at one point eight, aren't they? Something like that. Eight or nine, something like that. The Jags. Yeah. So, yeah, I would try and trade back there because I, I, I've got a funny feeling that they might, they may well take Judy in this draft or a CD Lamb. Um, so that's where I would be willing to trade back to. I mean, I don't know what you'd get for that. you get that 1.8 pick, maybe what, second, maybe third rounder. Um, I'm not a big, big draft guy myself, but um, I, um, that's where I'd be looking to sort of trade back if you can. And or even with Miami to get if two are still on the board, I'm sure they, but that's, that's the problem. If two are still on the board, they know the Giants are not going to, um, draft him so that's that's the big problem the Giants have got there but I, I think you look to trade back to maybe 1.8 1. 1.9 1.10 1. somewhere like that yeah you don't want to get too far back because like you say you're then going to miss out on the top top talent don't you so like I, say, I, I mean that... unless unless a Chase Young is on the board or somewhere like that if Chase Young's on the board then 
all bet. So just take that pick. You you, yeah. you make that pick at one point four. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, I think it's interesting. I think you know the Chargers and Dolphins are the ones that we're keeping our eye on, aren't they? There in terms of five and six in the draft, they're the ones that everyone thinks are going to go QB. It just depends whether they're going to go and get them early or not. Um, what's a good season then, Jack, for the Giants? Um, obviously, like I say, disappointing <laughs> campaign last year. Um, what What do you think would be classified as a good season in your book? It's been it's been like this for about six years. <laughs> um, I would say just a winning season would be great. Anything really. Um, I, I don't know, like a <laughs> nine and seven, just a winning season would be great this year. I, I just want to see improvement. I said the same last year. I went on the podcast last year about the Giants and I said the same last year and it just didn't happen. I just want to see them improve on both sides of the ball. And I mean, D- Daniel Jones was... Certainly, I, I did not like that pick last year. We're at 1.6, but um, he certainly proved me wrong. So I was, I'm very happy to... Now, I'm a big fan. Um, so, yeah, I just a winning season would be great to see. No, no, absolutely. Look, there's, there's, no, uh, there's no shame in that whatsoever. Like you say, you've got a, you know, a young signal caller. You've obviously got your young running back. You know, we've talked about potentially adding some young talent at wide receiver. You know, it, it may well be a couple of years until, you know, you really feel confident about the Giants in the division. But certainly, I think the move was needed. Um, a quarterback, you probably would argue, came a bit too late, but it's come now nonetheless. Should have asked you right at the outset, actually, mate. How do you feel about the uh, head coach? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with all of the coaches that they've appointed. I, I actually, a, a lot of people gave, give Jason Garrett Pelters, but I, I think he's a very good, it's a bit like Pat Shermer. I, I think Pat Shermer's a very good offensive coordinator. Some people are just not meant to be a head coach. And I, I think Jason Garrett's a very, very good offensive coordinator. And which is why I've, I've got Saquon Barkley as my number one fantasy pick this year. I think they will run Saquon into the ground this year. They may well do, and uh, it'll obviously be uh, very nice for Jason Garrett if he can get one up over the Cowboys as well. That will be uh, good to see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's just finish off, mate, with some betting. It's obviously way too early and lots of stuff's going to change between now and then. But if you were to have a pound at the moment, you would get for the New York Giants to win the division. And these are all through Betfair 15-2 to two to win the East. Uh, Eagles are favourites, followed by the Cowboys. They're both very close in the betting. Then the Giants, followed by the Redskins. So you're favoured over the Redskins, you'll be glad to know. Uh, And then to go all the way for the Super Bowl, if you're feeling really, really uh, lucky, 70-1 to is the price. So probably a reflection of what you said there, mate, that a winning season is probably going to be seen as a success. Um, 15-2, to tempted for a pound, possibly? Yeah, they have a quid on that. <laughs> you know, I don't mind losing the quid. I'm, well, I'm definitely going to lose that quid, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd have a quid on it. <laughs> yeah, why not, mate? Why not? Like you say, potentially some improvement to come. Um, you know, obviously, um, lots of media attention always with New York. Obviously, a big market over in the states, and well supported. Obviously, in the UK, being an East Coast side as well. Um, you know, so it'd be good to see them return to something like a bit of relevance after a couple of down years, mate. Absolutely. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, Jack. Where can people find you and interact with you, mate, and give yourself a little plug for your podcast as well, buddy? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Jack Humphrey KM, and my podcast is Kickers Matter. That's at Kickers underscore Matter on Twitter. Um, yeah, and we just we talk fantasy, and yeah, just don't uh, listen around kids because we do swear quite a lot. <laughs> 
Thanks for the disclaimer, mate. Thanks for the disclaimer. <laughs> no, absolute pleasure, mate. You did some, did some good work and, uh, you know, lots of good stuff uh, throughout the back end of last season. Um, you know, so keep up the good work over there, buddy. And once again, thanks ever so much for coming on, mate. Let's hope the Giants do well and we'll speak again, mate, between now and the start of the season, pal. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much to Jack there coming on and talking all things Giants. And let's move it over to the Dallas Cowboys. And of course, we weren't going to get anybody else in other than the boss himself. Tim, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. How are we? We are doing all right, mate. We're doing all right, all things considered, mate. Not you're doing, you're doing a stellar job, Sean. You're putting me putting me out of a job, mate. Putting me out of uh, a job. Luckily, I've, luckily, I've got the Britbull branch to, 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 to move to. Indeed, mate. Doing that. Yeah, it's been a good week there, mate, with some uh, good interviews and everything. So, yeah, getting uh, getting pumped for the season that will probably never be. But uh, we'll Absolutely. keep our fingers crossed, mate. We'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, a season that's got more of a chance, obviously, is the NFL, mate. Fingers crossed we do get a September start as scheduled. And obviously, the big news for the Cowboys, we'll talk about the, um, the moves in terms of the playing personnel shortly. But I know you were obviously uh, very much in this camp of moving on from Jason Garrett. It's finally happened, mate. Are you pleased with Mike McCarthy and do you think he's the guy to get you over the hump? What, what gave you the impression that I was ready to get over Jason Garrett? I'm not quite sure what you're, what you're referring to there, mate. Um, yeah, but uh, Mike McCarthy, um, yeah, he's quite polarising, isn't he, really? On, on paper, he, he fits the bill, doesn't he? Uh, obviously, previously 13 years at, uh, as a head coach of Great, uh, Green Bay, but fair to say it got stale towards the, the back end. But, you know, he ticks, he ticks the boxes you want to you, you tick. He's, he's won a Super Bowl, he's got a winning record in the playoffs, something that, that you know, Dallas would, would give their right arm for at the moment. So, um, yeah, obviously after McCarthy left Green Bay in unceremonious circumstances, took a took a year out to need to try and maybe re, you know, reinvent himself, re- refresh his style of his offense and the way he approaches the uh, kind of his game plans. Uh, part of that was obviously, yeah, he's quite heavily criticised for his lack of analytics and just going with kind of what what he felt was right. Um, he has hinted that he's kind of adjusted to that in, in his exodus, in his exile for, for over, over a year or so. Um, but one thing I would say to that to Cowboys fans is kind of a, kind of a bit concerning that I've seen some comments about um, what he would do with that running on first down, that kind of stuff as well. So I'll, I'll wait to see whether or not uh, he, he has learned anything because obviously 2016, 2017, uh, 2018, Mark McCarthy's not going to really cut it in the NFL anymore. So, um, but we, we shall see. Um, but is, is he the right fit? It depends on kind of the power, I suppose. Obviously, it's the old cliche of you know how much does uh, Jerry Jerry Jones get his hands dirty? Um, I know I know he's really relinquished his grip a little bit over the years, and it's more Stephen Jones now, obviously getting involved. But hopefully, um, yeah, Mark McCarthy gets enough enough of a leash and enough of enough of freedom to to do what he wants um obviously talking about his his coordinators we've kept Kellen Moore um who helped the, the Cowboys to you know being one of the, the best offenses in the league last year um has brought in Mike Nolan as well former um linebackers coach from New Orleans for the last couple of seasons and um, here's a fun fact for you Mike Nolan actually hired Mike McCarthy back, way back in the mid 2000s uh when he was head coach of the San Francisco 49ers so uh, a lot of familiarity there between him and uh, and Mike McCarthy so um, yeah, is he the right fit? I, I, I think so. Um, like I say, he, he's been there and done it. So uh, I think that's what the, the Cowboys have kind of missed with, with Jason Garrett. I mean, he, anything he's been been and done is, is clapped his hands. So um, a, a change, it might have maybe what year one struggles in terms of teething problems, but yeah, he, he's been done it before. So hopefully he can install uh, a fresh impetus in the offense. That was a long answer, wasn't it? 
It was, mate. But, you know, to be fair, we've got nothing else to do but have listen to podcasts, mate. So it fills some time. <laughs> fair play. <laughs> um, in terms of playing personnel, then, mate, obviously the big thing that probably has happened or hasn't happened, depending on how you want to describe this, of course, is obviously Dak has been franchise tagged, still not yet agreed a long-term deal. We kind of talked about this a few weeks back now, didn't we, when we did a... Um, podcast looking very much at quarterbacks and, and we sort of said that we felt that Dak might fall into the tag category. Um, what's the latest that you're hearing um, and, you know, and do you think that anything does get sorted out between now and season start? Yeah, I mean, I mean, from what I'm hearing, like Dak, Dak and, and the Cowboys have kind of been at preliminary yeah, kind of negotiating table. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm Dak Prescott, you know, you didn't want to pay me a last off season and look, you know, look kind of look where the Cowboys are now. You know, Dak holds all the cards if he goes out for another season and, and does what he repeats what he did in, in 2019, then he's going to be looking something, and especially if the kicker is if, if Mahomes and Watson get done uh, in between that time, uh, Dak Prescott's going to be looking at a sweet sum of money. So unless the Cowboys are going to blow Dak Prescott's socks off, uh, Dak Prescott is, is more than happy to to give it another year, do exactly what he did last year and, and reap the rewards. And, you know, I, I don't blame him, to be quite to be quite honest. Um, you know, the Cowboys have, at num- numerous junctions, kicked the can down the road and it's just going to come back to the bottom on the backside. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see Dak Prescott getting a new deal this off-season and, dare I say it, he'll be, he'll be putting the, the Cowboys to ransom uh, this come this time next year. Yeah, I think there's every chance. James, I'll come to you, mate, just to get your opinion on it. I mean, from the outside looking in, Dak's a bit of a polarising figure in as much as, you know, he's not a name that jumps up into people's minds when you talk about potentially the top sort of four or five quarterbacks in the league. Um, you know, but as Tim's just alluded to there, case of obviously when you get paid as much as anything, you know, always the next deal seems to be the biggest one. He may well end up as one of the highest paid. What, what would be your view just on Dak Prescott, the player, um, from an outsider looking in? Um, hard to do. I mean, hard to go through what Tim said. Really, I think I think he's completely knocked it on the head. And uh, yeah, the, the Cowboys are going to have to be careful that this doesn't end up with them losing one major asset and pretty much not having a Super Bowl candidate just because they've paid too many people. I mean, I don't like using Brady as an example, but I will do for this one. It's hard to imagine linking Brady and Prescott, but here we go. Um, in yeah. that in the Brady quite often would take much more team-friendly deals in order to have sort of a winning outfit around him. Whereas if Dak ends up siphoning off most of the money, you've got Zeke, you've got Cooper as well. You are sinking so much of your team's cap space into so few assets that you're never going to have the supporting cast around them unless you are completely and utterly on the ball in the draft three mm. years straight whilst you have those in line and you like hit a home run and get it, it right every time, you're probably not going to be at the right end. I know this isn't what Tim wants to hear, but it's, it's probably... No, 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 I get it. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment from uh, by Zach Moore called Caponomics and How to Build a, a Championship Winning Team. And he talks all about, you know, if you're paying, sinking a lot of cap space into one position, whether it be an important position or not, you've got to find value elsewhere. And Dallas generally... Well, yeah, last couple of years aside, because they've actually done really well in the draft last couple of years, um, but they don't tend to really do well in terms of gaining value in, in other positions, which is which has kind of hindered us a little bit. So, um, yeah, we will be we will have to pay Dak. I, I think there's actually a, a growing scenario where I don't I think Dak leaves uh, next year potentially if it yeah you know, the way the Cowboys tend to handle it. But I'm, I'm glad it's Mike McCarthy in charge now and not necessarily uh, Jason Garrett because 
just fumble our way through through the next five years. But um, I mean, it's also worth noting as well, McCarthy, um, Mike McCarthy offences are generally a bit more aerial uh, orientated as well. So again, that's only going to help Dak in terms of putting his case forward this time next year to say, give me north of 35 million, maybe even touching $40 million. Yeah, it does, yeah. Make you, it does make you wonder, doesn't it, if they'd have made the coaching change 12 months ago, whether Z could have ended up getting paid and, you know, potentially Dak would have been sorted now. But it is what it is. Um, and obviously, um, it's going to be a conundrum that the boys are going to have to solve at some point. Uh, part of that piece of the puzzle, as we alluded to, Amari Cooper re-signed, mate, big money contract. We, again, kind of alluded to the fact that we thought that was the most logical thing that would happen. Um, but obviously, you know, was it five years, 100 million, I think? Was that right? Yeah, that's what we call mega money. Big boy money. Yeah, absolutely. A bit of a revival of his career. Obviously, you know, massive drop, uh, draft stock coming out um, and started off pretty well for the Raiders, then sort of faded into a bit of obscurity and come roaring back. Um, so, obviously, the, the Cowboys will be hoping for continued success there. The other moves, mate, quite a um, few moves sort of from a depth perspective. A um, couple of additions on the defensive line, in particular, Gerald um, McCoy and Don Saripo, both have been sort of, you know, probably in the top sort of five, ten players in that position. They're obviously on the back end of the careers with some good veteran presence to add to the defence yeah absolutely I think to come in and do a job for one and two years you know kind of where their contracts are is, is quite good because it also feels a need that we now don't have to go chasing in the draft um, and we can, obviously we'll get them to the draft shortly indeed uh, but yeah no, I, I really like them, them signings and um, on the back end as well um, Ha Ha Clinton Dix uh, we've signed obviously another a former McCarthy guy as well at safety so um, yeah and the cracking actually, name as well he is very, very. It's a funny name, isn't it? Um, uh, <laughs> but there we go. Um, yeah, no, I, I was actually quite pleased with with some of the guys uh, that we brought back. We brought Sean Lee back on a team friendly deal as well, um, and obviously the, the guys that we've let go, we'll probably look to replace in the draft. Robert Quinn. Um, if you, you look at, I, I, well, we can talk about the outgoings as well. But you, you look at the, the, the players um, that were stars on the defense that we let go last season. Uh, Robert Quinn, you know, had eleven and a half sacks last season. We were never going to pay the five-year, seventy million deal that he got with Chicago. And Byron Jones, um, whilst he doesn't fill up the stat sheet, obviously because no one really throws to him, uh, we were, there was no way in hell we were going to pay five years, eighty-two to eighty-two and a half million. Um, so unfortunately, we had to see him go. Um, and as I forget, as, as other outgoings, Travis Frederick uh, will be a big loss uh, for the Cowboys. Obviously, shock retirement there, um, but I'll obviously wish him all the best. Um, he'll be he'll be a big miss, but um, yeah, um, yeah. No, generally quite happy with uh, the way. Dak aside, I'm, I'm quite happy with the way we've kind of kind of conducted ourselves this off season, which it does isn't isn't usually uh, something I say about Dallas Cowboys year to year. Although saying that, we are <laughs> we did sign Alden, Alden Smith the other day, so. Um, we can't we can't help but get someone in that's got uh, a felony sheet on them. Yeah, that that was a weird one. I mean, Alden Smith, the player, if he's still anything like, then you know, fair enough. But it, just the amount of money that they gave him was just shocking for a guy that hasn't played for a couple of years. You could almost uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a strange way. If you actually break it down though, <laughs> so he gets like a hundred grand for still being on the team at the draft and all this. But there's there's some real. Um, some real interesting kind of incentives. It's all incentive based for, for his contract. So um, if he makes the if he makes the roster, I think at the start uh, the day before the start of the season, I think he actually makes five hundred grand. So it's not as bad actually. But paying someone that amount, yeah. enough because we, we try to sign for us to get everyone sorted. The one person we should get in press is just nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a funny one, actually, Alden Smith. If you look at it, it's all kind of incentive-based. So, you know, he's, he gets £100,000 here for, for being on the roster in this week and then next week and then after training camp and start of the season. So uh, I think if he's on the roster the, the day before the start of the season, I think he only, he's only going to get about £400,000, which um, yeah, isn't a lot of money. But again, could be someone, you know, it could be, spent in that that Prescott's contract yeah you we, we, we try and all our best is you know, the absolute kings of kicking the can down the road and um, you know, signing people like Adam Smith and trying to get Randy Gregory back back out of uh get him <laughs> un, yeah, back back reinstated but we're not even bothering with Dak Prescott it's just but that's mine but yeah, we can't we can't help but be attracted to people with uh with long uh charge lists yeah absolutely mate like you say it wouldn't uh wouldn't be the same if there wasn't a little bit of drama attached to Dallas let's have a look at the draft then mate you've just alluded to it there that um you know potentially still a few holes to fill um obviously like you say offensive line probably wasn't even on the radar until um the unexpected retirement of Travis Frederick uh it's obviously never exactly a sexy pick is it center in the first round um but obviously it's proved fruitful in the past and obviously that's been the foundation for the Cowboys building the offensive line hasn't it so where would you be um looking to upgrade the team if we gave you the cards on draft night yeah, just just your point on the centre. I think Joe Looney uh, will come in and probably cut play centre play centre for ne- for next year as well. So he's a kind of a short term solution. So Cowboys aren't aren't pressed for taking a centre in this draft, but you can probably get a centre um, at least third fourth round. Or sort of, you're not obviously getting a great one at that at that point, but um, centres generally you're going to be okay. It's not the biggest uh, biggest issue as long as they can snap the ball. You're generally all right. But um, yeah, first round uh, considering. Our off-season moves. It's, it's, um, it's likely going to be defensive side of the ball uh, for the first one, one or two rounds. Obviously, cornerback is the glaring need with no uh, Byron Jones. You know, we've, we've currently got a cornerback room of Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, and Ch- uh, Chidobe Awuzie. So uh, that's not going to scare uh, anyone too much. You know, a couple of guys that I've had here marked: <clears throat> Christian Fulton, uh, LSU cornerback, and uh, CJ Henderson, and Jeff Gladney. I'm not sure CJ Henderson gets to uh, to Dallas there, but Gladney's uh, kind of a back of the end. Back, back at the end of the first round, um, so it could be could be in uh, contention. Uh, if we're looking safety, we, it's one of two, isn't it? It's Grant Delpit of, of LSU and, and Xavier McKinney, who I'd love the Dallas the Cowboys to to pick. Um, but judging by Mike Nolan's off, uh, defenses, he's a, he's a guy that like he doesn't mind giving up yardage, but he wants players that make plays and, and get the ball and turn and turnovers. So um, watch out for any playmakers uh, on the back end. You know, they'll probably shoot up the the, the the Cowboys draft boards come come draft day as well. But um, you know, if, if second round, a couple of guys that I've kind of looked at, uh, Kyle Duggar. Um, Noah Igbenogany, uh, Damon Arnett as well in, in the later rounds are, are guys at safety and corner that we could that we could potentially look at. Um, defensive end is, is another one. Again, depending on what happens with with Alden Smith and, and Randy Gregory, maybe we're just going to try a bit try a combination of those. Uh, paired alongside Demarcus Lawrence. Obviously, Demarcus Lawrence has not performed since he got that big contract. So could do maybe a bit of defensive end help, and you can never have too many pass rushes, can you? Uh, and then talking of talking of um, wasted spaces, Tyron Crawford's uh, currently eating up nine million of of Dallas's cap. So um, he, that could uh, shame you don't cut him. He's in. I think he's in the last year of a, a five year deal, forty five, forty forty eight million, so something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, defensive end again in the, in the later rounds, G- Julian Aquara and uh, Curtis Weaver are two guys and. Yeah, it, Cleveland chase on if they really wanted to go in the first round for an edge rusher, but I don't, I don't think they will. And then finally, in the later rounds, probably would say look, probably look for a centre, uh, but also a tackle as well. We're not we're quite low in terms of depth on ta- uh, tackles. Obviously, the Great Wall of Dallas is uh, getting on a bit, and it's, the wall's going to start to crumble. Tyron Smith obviously um, struggled with injuries a little bit last season as well, and um, Lyle Collins on the other side as well has had issues. But we could do is shoring that back up. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's going to be pretty defensive heavy, certainly in those early rounds. Um, yeah. You know, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see which direction. I do, I, I do think, uh, obviously, the the um, the outgoing of, of Randall Cobb could see a, a late wide receiver. One of the one of the guys I did look at, uh, Devin Duvernay from Texas. Uh, we tend we do tend to like. Uh, it's two things we draft: either guys from around Texas or someone from Boise State or Ohio State. So. Um, yeah, a couple of a couple of guys wide receivers late on. Devin Duvernay and KJ Hamner as well, faithful uh, potentials for for slot receivers. One to keep an eye out for. Let's um, keep talking offensive then, and let's move into a bit of fantasy. So, James, if we were looking for some cowboys, where we'd looking, mate, and who might be a bit of value for us also. Cowboys is actually probably one of the more interesting teams to look at because everyone has a chance to be a value and also has a chance to be a bust. Um, Zeke is going to go in the first round, I think, every draft still. It might have been a bit of a disappointment last season, but he's still always going to get the utilisation and he still has a lot of the passing game. With Randall Cobb going, he may get a tiny uptick on that front. So... Um, it's just nice to see a full season where he's not got any felonies or waiting for any court cases or any particular uncertainty. Um, now, if he could get 16 games, it'd be much appreciated. Um, Amari Cooper, with his new deal, is one of those where if he can keep that form up, he could be a league winner. If he sort of drops down because he has the deal, he could be uh, basically a bit of a loser for you. Um, at the moment, he's sort of I think he's going back end of the second, early end of the third in the sort of much too early mock drafts, um, which to me seems a bit too high. Uh, Michael Gallup, on the other hand, feels like a bit of a better value, although he is rising quite dramatically at the moment. Um, for reasons I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'd, I'd imagine him at the end. Yeah, so he was, he was, he was kind of... Uh, it was one of the guys who I could see really having a bit of an uptick this season, getting a lot more production, but... Unfortunately, his draft price seems to be matching. Um, Dak, on the other hand, is going to be—he's—he's going to polarize a few people because I've said on previous podcasts that you know I'm not a fan of drafting quarterbacks in the early rounds because you lose out too much on value when it comes to you know your running backs and your wide receivers, which are going to be more of your depth chart, so to say. You can at least stream quarterback for a week quite easily, but Dak is in that region where you start thinking. Is the gap worth it? You know, is the is the Welshier or running back I'm going to get good enough to really, con you know, cope with the difference between Dak and the next quarterback along the ride? Um, at the moment, he's sort of going round six and seven, um, and even though I tend to I tend to go more wait till double digits. I can see a lot of people you know jumping at that, mm. um, and then after that. There's not a lot. I mean, Greg, they've got you've got Greg the Leg now. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. For those leagues that still have kickers, um, uh, I can see him possibly. To be fair, the the uh, Cowboys have had a decent run when it comes to kickers for um, a little while now. So I can see Zerline um, being maybe one of the first two kickers off the board. I mean, it's probably the last thing you really need to talk about fantasy wise. But um, yeah, after after. You know, see Cooper, Gallup, Dak. I'm sort of struggling. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Cause Dak Prescott, you know, like I say, this is an offense that had the most yards last year. Um, so, you know, in terms of quarterback, let's translate. And he, he, runs, he runs a few touchdowns and he's, he's good in his legs as well, which we all know is the Konami code for, for quarterbacks. I mean, round six, probably a tiny bit too rich for me again because I'm, I'm a late quarterback guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. He's quite, he's quite underdrafted. He's quite undervalued, underappreciated to be quite honest. Probably because he plays for the Cowboys. But um, yeah, generally, if he's, if he's there round eight, round nine, I'm, I'm more than happy to pull the trigger on, on Dak Prescott. Again, he's, he's in a contract year. He, he's going to be betting on himself. So yeah, he's going to be wanting to. He's got a chip on his shoulder a little bit, isn't he? He's going to prove that he's, he's worth forty million pound a year. So uh, I can certainly see him. And again, Mike McCarthy's offense. Um, potentially a, t- a tiny bit more from a, from an aerial standpoint. So again, I, I, I really like that Prescott. The one the one name you've you've forgotten there though, uh, James is uh, Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin. He, yep. he is <laughs> he is primed for breakout this season. Uh, like I say, no Randall Cobb, so I could potentially see him getting a lot more looks. Um, he had some really good games last season as well. He no more Jason Witten. They shipped him off. Um, Bandages and all to uh, to Vegas, yeah. So uh, Blake Jarwin is is really, yeah, he's going to be double digits if if undrafted. You can probably still get him on some dynasty waiver wires as well, to be quite honest. But um, Blake Jarwin, Blake Jarwin's one of my sleeper picks for the year. I think you were going to agree with that, he's, weren't you, James? Yep. Yeah, I was always going to agree with that. I mean, say I think I wrote about him in my article on Titans recently, saying that if if the Cowboys don't bring anyone in, he is going to be the sort of the value pick who might just escape the um, sort of waiver wire merry-go-round and actually stick on whichever team picks him up first. Um, mm. It remains to be seen whether he actually ends up as a late round draft pick. Um, in many ways, it probably depends on the schedule as to who the Cowboys play in week one. Um, if it's someone like Arizona or the Giants, then I'd be picking Jarwin up all day long. Mm. I mean, it's probably a bit of a bold prediction, but I can Jarwin Blake, Blake Jarwin has a has a ceiling of top five, top six tight ends. If uh, if we if we don't do anything wide receiver, and, and yeah, obviously tight end or whatever, because we have a blocking tight end, Dalton Schultz, and um, the other guy's name escapes me at the moment, but um, he's just going to be there to, to catch the ball. He he's a he's a really good uh, receiver, receiving tight end. Um, so it just depends to see. I, I know Mark McCarthy again, not really done too much in terms of of tight ends when he was in Green Bay. But um, yeah, Blake, Blake Jarwin. If we don't do anything wide receiver, I'm, I'm I literally have him in every dynasty league I'm in, and um, so my I'm, <laughs> all my chips are in. You know, I love doing this podcast series because everybody's such a homer when it comes to their own team and their own players. Oh, yeah, man. Blake Jarwin, a top man. five tight end. Unbelievable. But we'll let you Better off, mate. Fast. We will let yeah, you yeah, off. Yeah, it's your team. Right, put your money where your mouth is, mate. Let's have a look at some betting. Um, won't surprise you. Nip and tuck between Dallas and Philly for divisional favourites. Six to five is the price I'm looking at at the minute for Dallas. Um, just behind the Eagles at 13 to 10. Um, Super Bowl winner, I think, is a little bit um, on the short side. If I'm honest, at fourteen to one. Um, but what's your yeah. view, mate? You think um, what do you think is yeah. going to be a good I mean, season? Like, it's, it's it's inflated because of the name the name of Mike McCarthy now, and um, and obviously no more, no more Jason Garrett. Um, it, obviously perennial underachievers in, in Dallas. So I'm not I'm not having any. I had a bit of money on them last year at thirty three. So I'm not I'm not backing them at fourteens this season. Um, but it's an easy division. It's now an extra spot for a playoff berth. So once you're in to get, you get into the playoffs, it's anyone's money, isn't it? So, um, yeah, like I say, Sean, probably 14 is a bit too tight for me. Uh, and I think the divisional betting's about right. I think um, Philadelphia, slight favourites. 
uh, in my book. J- j- they just have the coaching. Um, we, we could potentially have some teething problems in year one, say under Mike McCarthy. So uh, maybe have a few kinks to iron out, but not, not, not looking for excuses at this early stage. We should be, the talent we've got on that team and the youth we have on that team as well um, should be should be get, at least getting to the playoffs at the very minimum. Should be at least winning a game or two as well. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree, mate. I think it was a bit of a disappointment, wasn't it, last year after a hot start? Obviously, faded away, um, so I'd expect them to bounce back. Uh, just one final thing on Betty, mate, because one thing that just took my eye as I was scrolling through the stats, and we might put this up as a bit of a Twitter poll. Same price for both of these things to come true: Dallas to win the Super Bowl, fourteen to one; Dak Prescott MVP, fourteen to one. Which is more likely? Uh, I would go. I'd go Dak Prescott MVP because in stretches last year, there's you know, some performance he was he was put in. Uh, if, he, if he could have just put a, a couple of decent games back towards the back end last season, he was um, a few whispers in the bushes about him potentially being MVP, like this, this top five in discussion anyway. Which, um, but yeah, again, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see. I need to see it first before you know, we need to get to the Super Bowl. But I, I think that uh, Dak Prescott has more than enough tools to, to lead that team to 12, 13 wins. Um, obviously then he'll be yeah, it's easier to win MVP than it is a Super Bowl isn't it? I would guess so James your view on that I'd have to agree I think there's more chance of Dak bringing it together in the regular season than him putting it together in the in the postseason to be honest yeah, be interesting. I think just interesting that they're exactly the same price, um, which I think probably goes to show what we said earlier that the 14 to 1 for the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl, probably a little bit skinny uh, for all of our money, to be fair. So uh, we will wait and see. Um, Tim, I'm sure by now everyone knows where they can get hold of you on the social media front, mate, but we're asking all of our guests to give themselves a little plug. So plug away, my friend. Uh, yep, uh, at Tim underscore Monk, F10Y is where my personal account is, but I have so many Twitter accounts uh, under the full, full, 10 yard, <laughs> full 10 yards network. You can get me. It, generally, if you tweet one of those, you'll probably get in touch with me at some point. You certainly will. And uh, like I say, great work, mate, on all the brick ball stuff this week. Um, I know we are keeping the content flowing uh, during these awkward times. It's good to have some stuff to get our teeth into and listen to. So uh, thanks very much, mate, for joining us on this series of podcasts. We'll obviously speak again very soon, my friend. Well, indeed. Looking forward to it. Uh, Keep up good work, mate. Cheers, pal. By the magic of a podcast, we just said goodbye to Tim, but I'm welcoming him straight back because he's going to stay on and chat some Redskins and Eagles. Tim, how are you, mate? Um, about the same I was about two seconds ago. <sighs> two seconds ago. Four days ago, mate. It seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. Like Two seconds ago on the podcast or four days ago in between, uh, in between recording. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what angle you're going for, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> doesn't feel like we've done anything in them four days mate to be fair so uh yeah probably feels quite similar but yeah. uh of course we're going to talk some redskins first and foremost and we weren't going to get anybody else in other than the man himself mr voss how are you lawrence not too bad apart from the fact that on easter sunday i had to get up at 5 a.m to distribute the eggs around the garden for my kids to not let me down and be up at 6.30 a.m. to do an Easter egg hunt. So to all you parents out there who've had to do Easter egg hunts, can anyone beat a five o'clock start for an Easter egg hunt? Well, I did mine at 1am, but that was before I went to bed, so I don't know if that counts or not, to be honest, mate. So I will give you the benefit of the doubt in terms of that one. Right. 
Let's stop talking Easter eggs. I've had far too many of them over the last couple of days. Let's talk some football and let's talk Redskins, mate. Obviously, off the back of a a season of struggle, obviously some transition at the quarterback position. We'll get on to that, no doubt, as we start discussing it. But just talk us through the Redskins' off-season so far, mate, in terms of the moves that they've made both in and out. Really? I mean, it's been terrifically underwhelming for the Redskins. Typically, they, they make some big splashes um, with the free agents, with some big named veterans, but they've gone for some, they've gone for some depth. Um, obviously, with um, Ron Rivera coming over as the new head coach, he's brought over a bit of that Carolina love with him, um, bringing in the, the backup quarterback, bringing in Thomas Davis at linebacker, so, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a Carolina Panthers influence there on the Redskins team. But really, we've, we've kind of underwhelmed with the exception of, of getting some improvements in the secondary. We've, we've added Sean Davis from the Steelers and we've brought back Kendall Fuller, who had four tackles in, in the Super Bowl just gone. So it's always good to get a winner back on your team. So, you know, other than that, we've had some really kind of, you know, who cares kind of signings. Richard Rogers, the tight end, who's missed the last two seasons with injury. Cody Latimer, you kind of go, who's he? Kind of back up for the Giants. And, and then, you know, lots of other smaller names. Logan Thomas, tight end. You know, there's, there's nothing exciting here. The biggest bit of news has been on the offensive line. And, and there's two points there. Number one, the fact that Brandon Scherf has signed a, a one-year franchise tender. Thank goodness. Um, he, was, he, he remains our best offensive lineman. And we still have no idea what's going on with Trent Williams. That, that situation still hasn't resolved itself. I don't think he's going to be back. Obviously, he had a complete hatred for the, the previous administration. But I don't think that though, I think the bridge is, is burnt now for him. It's just a case of him trying to get a good deal. And I don't think that's going to happen potentially until draft day. I think there will be some movement on draft day with, with Trent Williams. And I think we will get something back, um, albeit a second, third round pick, possibly. Third round, probably being optimistic. Second round, you know, that'll be a miracle if that happens. We've, you know, we've re-signed Adrian Peterson. We've bought in some really kind of, again, sort of scrap heap running backs. J.D. McKissick from, you know, from, from our NFC rivals. And we've also brought in Peyton Barber, who I think I could average more yards per carry than, than, than he does in the NFL. What was it? 3.1 a carry last season? Pretty abysmal. So all in all, it's been a... It's been a really sort of quiet, subdued off-season, I think, for the Redskins. And I think part of that is, is due to the absolutely monster cap um, hit that is taken by a player who didn't play a single down for the Redskins last season and is still at risk of not playing much for this season. And that's quarterback Alex Smith. So all the big news was about us signing Dwayne Haskins in the first round, our, our rookie quarterback, who had a pretty, pretty flat season. Two wins out of seven games, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. I think he likes the number seven, does our Dwayne Haskins. Um, 
but but really we're sitting there with Alex Smith who owns over 10% of the Redskins salary cap and he just hasn't played so let's hope we can you know I, I think we're heading towards some quarterback controversy if Alex Smith does get his way back to fitness yeah, so you mentioned some controversy potentially brewing, mate. It could obviously get a little bit worse as we head towards the draft. The Redskins, a team that people have got their eye on. Obviously, it's pretty much a lock that Cincinnati are going quarterback overall number one. We believe it's going to be Joe Burrow. Um, but the Redskins could potentially move back. They could stay where they are and draft the best defensive player on the board. They could obviously take the next best quarterback on the board. What do you think they should do, mate, at number two overall? There's what they could do and what they should do. I think what they should do is maintain what they've been sending the signals out generally that they're going to do, which is draft Chase Young. If you've got an amazing defence, you can win games. It is incredibly important. You look at the, the model that the San Francisco 49ers had, got them all the way to a Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the greatest quarterback on the earth. Um, and he managed to hitch a very, very nice, comfortable ride to the Super Bowl thanks to that 49ers defence. So if the Redskins are going to remain sensible, and I think through Ron Rivera, I think through Jack Del Rio, that if they don't go with Chase Young, I think it will be one of the biggest upsets in a draft for a long, long time. There obviously is that temptation to look at Tua, I think he was he was sort of hovering down maybe for the Dolphins at pick five as as probably a, you know the match, um, but I think he is he is rising in terms of that um, valuation. He's moving up to kind of being a uh, a number two, number three on a lot of people's boards, but they don't have that pick that the Redskins do. So I just hope to goodness that they stay focused and build on that defence. And I think if, if they can, again, look to those lower rounds to complement what they've got on offence, then, you know, you, you look at what they did drafting Terry McLaurin. He was not a first-round pick last season, but he almost managed 1,000 yards, was, was one of the most impressive rookie receivers. So you can build through the draft. And I think it's about maintaining that quality and I don't want them to drop down and have a number of later picks or the year after, because at some point you've got to be able to say, right, we're committed to trying to win this season, not just get through a season. So I really hope that they stick with Chase Young. Thing is, with that though, uh, Lawrence, just uh, obviously Ron Rivera coming in, he wants to do things his own, his own way. Do you not think, if you're thinking that? Uh, in Ron Rivera's shoes, if he wants kind of loads of his guys to come in to kind of refresh and put his stamp on the stamp on the team, do you not think like say if Miami come call in and give five, five and eighteen or five and twenty six or, or whatever it needs to get to get up to two? Uh, in Ron Rivera's shoes, I know you said what you think they should do and what they will do and all that. But if you think from Ron Rivera's mind, do you not think that a couple of darts in the first round is better than one? Although you, you know you are giving up, you're only moving back to five. You can still get someone like Isaiah Simmons, who's again he, he could be transformational on the defense anyway. Yeah, I think I think that's legitimate. As I said, the question being asked is what what I think they they should do and could do. And I think you're yeah. right; they they could take that offer. Um, on the table and and take a couple of first round picks and and you you know they could still have an outstanding draft and having a a later pick in the first round 
if they've started to entertain that, they'll obviously be thinking of who they're going to be looking for um, in that in that kind of latter part of the first round if they're going to trade down. And I'd I'd still be looking for something sensible. I'd still be looking for offensive linemen. I think we've we're doing well at centre. We've got Chase Rulier who's developing very quietly into a very nice quality centre. We've got Brandon Scherf signed just for the one year. Um, and then I think, you know, if we can somehow get a, a tackle, a really solid tackle in that late first round, I think that, that would be incredible. And I think that would be a great way to go. But I just, I just think, I just hope that that, that mentality of building that defence is what they're going to stick with. Yeah, I'll, yeah I'll, the only reason I say that, no, sorry, Sean, just, I did not want to interject and make this guy out for longer, but obviously you don't have a second round pick. You've, got, you've given that to, to Indianapolis, haven't you? So that's just my thinking. If you're, if you're Ron Rivera, you haven't got a second round pick, you can move back three spots in the first round, but then pick up essentially a back end of the first, maybe like number 26, and you know, kind of gives you your, your full complement of picks back again early on. It's doable, but it's, it's how much do you see... Chase Young as yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. equivalent of a Nick Bosa type impact, yeah. and you you yeah, look yeah. at the you look at the impact that he had straight away, and you look at the impact that Chase Young could have straight away, and you look yeah. at the other defensive pieces that we've got, and the the build up of the secondary. We still got Ryan Kerrigan, who's still hanging around and and still playing pretty much pro bowl level every year not not quite all pro but he's he's playing at a pro bowl level every year thomas davis who's on his last legs is going to be fantastic in terms of coaching up the those younger linebackers people like ryan anderson that that really need that boost so i you know i i can i can see it happening it wouldn't completely shock me but i don't mm. think it would please me yeah no that's fair enough that's fine Play devil's advocate. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, mate. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm sort of thinking along the same lines, to be honest. I, could, I think that the Redskins are actually in a pretty decent position here because I think it's not too far to trade back. I think Miami no. is the obvious pinch point. And, you know, you've only got to look back a couple of years, haven't you? What did, you know, the Chicago give up to move up one spot to go and get Trubisky? Was it a, you know, a first, a, a third, a fourth, and a sort of third the year after? And that was just to move one spot. I, I think that the the Redskins could get a nice little haul. And I think the important thing to remember here is, let's assume it goes quarterback, quarterback if Miami do trade up to two. Um, I think the Giants are likely going to go offensive line. You're still going to have one of the premier defensive players um, you know, to sort of build through, you know, Chase Young might go to Detroit, um, but they may well still take the corner anyway. You could still end up with Chase Young, as stupid as it sounds, all the way down at five and still end up with a number of picks anyway. So, be interesting to see how they go. Um, I think, you know, a lot's going to depend on the night. I think, as you said as well, Lawrence, you know, I would imagine that Trent Williams' name will get mentioned. There's obviously the three or four big offensive linemen that keep getting talked about as potentially being top 10, top 15 picks. Um, if you're a team in and around that area, you know, take the Browns as a really good example. who have been linked with Trent Williams, obviously. If the tackle that the Browns really want has gone, you know, they may well end up in a position, let's say, that Simmons drops all the way down. We're obviously needing a linebacker as well. They could take Simmons and then potentially come with a trade offer for Trent Williams to shore up the tackle position that way. So I think the Redskins could be an interesting team to watch on draft night itself. 
we're talking now there pretty much about the first round. Let's talk about the rest of the draft, mate. You know, you've said there you want them to continue to build the defence. Any positions in particular that you think they really do desperately need to address? Well, I think the situation at um, at middle linebacker, I mean, we had rookie Cole Holcomb, who played pretty well, was one of one of the, again, the bright spots from the draft from last year. But you, you could upgrade on him, I think. Then, you know, let's say with Thomas Davis kind of there in a, in a support role, he's, he's not going to be lasting more than a, a season or two. So I think that, that depth at, um, at linebacker. And then, you know, looking at the, the likes of Ryan Kerrigan, who, who's getting older, um, I think, again, we've got a situation where that, that linebacker core, we, we lost Zach Brown. And I think that was a, that was a big loss um, to, to the linebacking core. Again, a name that's not a, not a big, big, big flashy name, but he, was, he played absolutely solid football. Um, and having lost, having lost Zach Brown, you know, we, we haven't really made up for that. And I think secondary-wise, I think we, you know, we've, we've already gone to the free agent market and, and brought in some pretty decent support there. We've obviously got Landon Collins that we signed from the Giants a couple of seasons ago. So I think the, the secondary is looking okay. I think we could do with a cornerback um, to, to complement what we've got. So, you know, there's, there's, there's needs all around. I mean, we're talking about a team that is not a traditionally winning team. So any kind of, any kind of pieces that help support trying to get some more wins on the boards, we'll, we'll be happy with. I just think we've, we've got a bit of a muddle uh, at running back. And I think the people that we have on the roster in terms of that um, offensive skill positions, the people that are there right now, there'll be a lot of people that won't be there come September. So I think we've got some camp bodies and we've got various, various bits and bobs that I don't think are going to culminate into you know, making a Pro Bowl in, in 2021. Probably doesn't do me a lot of good then, mate, for my next question. I'm going to turn to Tim for this one and I'm going to start talking fancy football. Um, obviously, if the skill positions aren't exactly filling Lawrence with confidence, I'm suggesting that we're not going to be drafting many Redskins from a fancy perspective, mate. But if we were, where should we be looking possibly? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, Unfortunately, we don't, we, uh, well, fortunately, we don't have the. Uh... The, thing, the decision whether or not to draft Jordan Reed uh, anymore because he's pretty much all gone now, isn't he? So um, there is there is that uh, saving saving grace or silver lining. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking first up, it's always going to be Terry McLaurin, isn't it? Um, he's I think he's probably quite popular, so he's he, he'll probably go overdrafted in an offense that is unlike is not is not going to be the most potent in, in the NFL. Let's be honest. Um, so yeah, he'll be a mid round, you know, what fifth, sixth, seventh round uh, wide receiver in kind of redraft. Obviously, a bit more valuable in in Dynasty. Uh, Dwayne Haskins you can leave alone in most redraft leagues in terms of quarterback position and then you've got the like Lawrence said you've got the muddle at, at running back Darius Geis obviously has burnt loads of people uh, over the last couple of years due to injury um, so yeah, he'll probably be a steal a bit later on in, in drafts than, you, than you'd normally get again probably in the same mid to late rounds uh, that's where he should go anyway but he probably won't he probably might go a bit earlier uh, probably because of name really so it's quite funny actually how his values kind of held up over the years because of the amount of injuries that he's it's, that's bugged him over over you know, his first couple of seasons in the NFL uh, and then apart from that I mean what else you got yeah, tight ends even Vernon Davis has retired as well now so he can't even draft him um, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah I mean I can I can give you some some kind of 
you just never know, kind of darts at the wall type players. If you stay so we, Steve Sims. <laughs> almost, almost. I was going to go Trey Quinn. I've, I've got a okay, little, yeah, soft, yeah. I've got a yeah, little yeah. soft spot for Trey Quinn. Um, former SMU wide receiver, little tiny guy, little slot mm. guy who is very gutsy. He's got mm. some um, savvy on the return game as well. So at, didn't he have a know, really good week one last year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 flashed. He's flashed outside of injury um, yeah. some potential that you know he could become a solid slot receiver. It's just a shame that he didn't have a consistent quarterback. So if, you know, if he would have been on an, on a Patriots squad or something like that, he could have had you know. 60, 70 catches for about 600, 700 yards. And he, he could have been a solid contributor. But he, he also suffers from a bit of the injury bug. And then don't forget, buried deep on our depth chart is um, we've got Bryce Love, who yeah, yeah. was an absolute yeah. stud um, in college um, at Stanford. And he, he hasn't been able to make any impression on the NFL. So, you're obviously, Adrian Peterson's back. And I think I saw something somewhere saying that, that he wants to do a Brady and play into his 40s. I think there's some report came out today. So, good luck to him there. That, that's pretty impressive if a running back can play into his 40s. So, it proves what a kind of highly tuned athlete he really is. So, but yeah, Bryce Love, look out for, for him to hopefully climb up the depth chart and go past the likes of Peyton Barber and JD McKissick to try and try and actually get some carries in the um in the twenty twenty season. We really have had to reach deep there, haven't we boys? <laughs> I think it's safe to say we're not going to be taking many risks. Uh, to be fair, I drafted a lot of Trey Quinn last year in Dynasty. He um obviously didn't work out for him. But yeah no Trey Quinn was someone I was on my radar last year but yeah. Maybe twenty twelve Maybe 2020 is the year. Let's have a quick look at the betting. It won't surprise you, these odds, mate. Obviously, the outsiders to win the division, 9-1 to one to win the NFC East, 150-1 to one for the Super Bowl. So I don't think we're going to be putting a lot of money down on the Redskins doing either of those. Just out of interest for you, mate, because you said, you know, and obviously I said there's a lot of intrigue about the draft, which will probably give you a lot of heart. Um, Chase Young, 14-1 to one on to be the second pick in the draft. The bookies don't get it wrong very often, mate. 14-1 to one on. Um, Tua is at 7-1 to one, and then Akuda is at 25-1 to one. so the bookies pretty much have got it nailed on that Chase Young's going there mate so uh, that could be an interesting one yeah. though um, probably fingers, fingers crossed <laughs> yeah like so if the Redskins are going to hold on to the pick I think that could potentially there be some sneaky value there I think there's a strong possibility that pick may get traded um, because of, like I say, you're still going to have a, a you know a whole host of defensive riches to potentially get your teeth into, um, as long as you can sort of stay within the top five. So that could be um, quite a good bet, but we will wait and see. You're obviously not going to get those odds if that pick is traded. So get in beforehand if you think that's going to happen. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's it's as I say for that for that Redskins offense. If you look at kind of where where you currently look at the starters, we've only got one, we've only had one player from from kind of the team that's projected for 2020 starters that wasn't a starter on the Redskins last year. 
And that's the left guard, Wes Schweitzer. He came over from the Falcons. So other than that, there's no big names that have moved over. So in some respects, that's a bit of a good thing that you try and maintain um, some, some kind of momentum with the players that you've got. But I just don't think we've got a talented enough team to do anything important this season. And, you know, Tim can block his ears now, but I still, I still think the Cowboys have, have got a quality team. Um, I hate to say it, but I still think they are, um, you know, on paper, still a better team than the Eagles. Well, it's funny you should say that, man. That's a very nice little segue you've given me there, because that, of course, is the final team that we are going to talk about, uh, that being the Philadelphia Eagles, because we have already chatted Cowboys uh, a little bit earlier on. Um, and it's just going to be us through to chat some Eagles um, Various reasons couldn't manage to get anybody from the Eagles representation. Shame on, on them! So we are going to give them some bashing, not the fans, to the team, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> as you alluded to, though, mate. Um, no, I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll give them a bashing. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm happy to give them a bashing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll join in as well. I'll be second in the queue. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, they are the defending NFC East champs after last season. Mm. Um, Obviously, I think, you know, we, we all said on this podcast throughout last year that we felt that Dallas probably were the stronger overall, but obviously just didn't get it together in terms of the results. So the, the Eagles obviously took the divisional crown. Tim, what moves have they made throughout the off-season, mate, to try and repeat that feat in 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think they've made, as they always do every year, make some really good signings. The top ones on the top of the pile, um, Javon Hargrave, defensive tackle from uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Darius Slay coming over from the Detroit Lions. Two really good, solid free agency signings there. And I think it's with the, with the Philadelphia Eagles as well, is they always get good deals. They always get um, value for their money, and they never they never overpay it. Yeah, everyone t- always tends to overpay in free agency, but uh, the Eagles always seem to. Uh, Harry Roseman. Um, Always seems to get the best out for for the team and also but the player as well. So yeah, those two um, really good free agency signings, uh, Jalen Mills and uh, McLeod. Some guys on the back end uh, have both re-signed in terms of keeping some players in. And then going outwards, uh, we've got um, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, you've got uh, Vitae, I think, at the offensive line. Jason Peters, they didn't re-sign, and Malcolm Jen- Jenkins on the back end as well was a bit of a shock. He's gone over to the Saints, obviously, uh, and then the running back Jordan Howard uh, has yet found another home in his NFL career over in Miami. So quite a lot of um, quite a lot of moves uh, for, for Philadelphia, uh, which generally isn't, isn't conducive to chemistry and, and continuity from you know, getting most out of the players. But um, if anyone can get over that, I'm, I'm sure the, the Philadelphia Eagles can. But uh, yeah, two really good signings in Hargrave and Slay, filling some needs. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think, you know, you just hit the nail on the head there, though, with the, the outgoings. I mean, all of those players that you mentioned all played significant roles throughout mm. last year. You know, we're not talking necessarily here about back end of the depth chart players that have, have departed. You know, you're talking players that had some serious playing time. I know Nelson Aguilar has, has sort of flattered to deceive, to be fair, throughout his career. Um, but obviously, Jason Peters is a big loss on the offensive line. I think Vitae has been overpaid, um, yeah. if I'm being honest. But, you know, ultimately, you know, he, oh, yeah. he, he's probably a quality... Certainly a very good quality six lineman, but he would make a number of franchises um, as a starter. Um, you know, so they have you know, potentially still got some needs that they need to fill, though. Um, so let's have a quick look then at the draft, mate. Where do you think they will be going with their um, selections? 
Uh, well, I think they're pretty much uh, their first round pick is actually quite interesting. You, you think they're nailed on for a wide receiver, um, but I think it depends on on how the draft is going to play out. I, I know Philadelphia tend to like to muck about round in the draft and move about the board to get the value. Um, obviously, they did that last year to get go and get Andre Dillard ahead of the Houston Texans. But depending on on what wide receivers are left on, like they could probably they possibly take a wide receiver there. Um, but if you know if Lamb, Judy, and Rugs are off the board, um, potential that they could trade back. Although you know if a, if a linebacker that is there like Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray, uh, Philadelphia could probably pull the trigger on one of those two. Um, but yeah, if none of those are on the board, I'd, I'd fully expect uh, Philadelphia to move back and accumulate a few picks because I know they've uh, they kind of um, hide their hold their picks in high regard this year um, and, and want to do some good stuff with them. Uh, running back is, is another position I think, I think they'll get a big bruiser. Um, Jordan Howard obviously is gone. Uh, the dumpster fire committee of uh, Wendell Smallwood, um, Adams, Clement, Sproles have either gone or retired. So, um, yeah, that's a lot of deadwood there to, to chuck on the fire. Um, a couple of the guys they do have, Boston Scott, uh, who's crucial for them at points last season. Um, Elijah Holyfield, who they think they've got from... Um, Carolina obviously the main guy Miles Sanders who they drafted last year's draft um, you'd think would get lion's share of, of, of the carries but the, the, it's not something the Eagles have really done over over the years especially with Doug Pedersen and that they tend to like to share the load around so um, yeah I, I would probably see Philadelphia picking up a, a bruising a big a big boy shall we say uh, in one of the later rounds uh, and then just to, to round it off as I could say linebacker is another position potentially if those two guys were there that I mentioned um, and then the secondary as well yeah this is uh, a team that brought back Orlando Skandrick for a couple of weeks uh, last season so it just shows how, how bad they got as well so um, yeah I, I expect some something in in the secondary to be to be sought after as well yeah like you said I think they've got a few you know not gaping holes as such but I do think they could do with adding some quality pieces I think in terms of this team though Lawrence a lot of it is obviously going to depend on the play of Carson Wentz who you know obviously when he first came into the league you know was essentially lighting it up he's obviously had some injury problems and don't necessarily think he's elevated himself into that top echelon of quarterbacks that get talked about as being up there with the league's best big season for Wentz how do you rate him as a player from you know somebody of a, a fan of a rival team in the division I think it's unfortunate that he's got that allergy um, the allergy of playing in the playoffs <laughs> I think I think he's, he's there's, there's something that happens to his body that just says I'm not going to be in the playoffs and, and I think that's a that's a huge disadvantage for him and and, you know, for Eagles fans, they must be frustrated uh, at getting Carson Wentz so high and investing so much time, effort, passion, buying his replica shirts. And then every time it happens that they happen to reach the playoffs, they, they haven't got him there. And they, you know, they've had um, Napoleon Dynamite um, do two playoff runs with them and, and thankfully got a ring for them. Which was, you know, one of one of the kind of modern miracles of of the Super Bowl era. Um, I think Wentz is, he's he's. I, I'm not totally convinced. I'm, I'm genuine. It's not just that I'm I'm haven't got a lot of love for the Eagles. I just think Wentz is is not quite there. I just I wouldn't trust him. I don't think the Eagles have now got that quality to go back to a Super Bowl in a hurry. I think that defence is slowing down a bit. Fletcher Cox is getting older. Um, they, they, you know, when you're relying on people like Deshaun Jackson, who has been in the league a long, long time, 
and obviously had that explosion at the start of the season and then that was pretty much it. Um, they drafted JJ, um, and I, I will not say the silly version, I'll say R. Sega Whiteside. <laughs> I will not say the American pronunciation of it because it just grinds my gears every time they say it. Um, look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so, you know, and I'm, I'm totally with um, Tim around Boston Scott. I really do think he's, he's one of those kind of Swiss army knife type backs that, that can have a, a really big impact, comes in, he can come in late. He's, he's you know, small, shifty guy. So, you know, I'm, I, I will be grabbing him late in, in drafts because I've just got, I've got a little, tiny little man crush on Boston Scott. And then don't talk to me about the, my most hated Eagle player of all time, Mr. Greg Ward, the receiver who dumped me out of the full 10 <laughs> yard, yard playoff. <laughs> uh, Despite my fantastic regular season record, I, I got absolutely robbed by, by Greg Ward. And I have, out of interest, drafted him in a couple of very, very early drafts just because I can't have it, can't have him do that to me again for a second <laughs> season. And these players that haunt you, they don't haunt you once they kind of come back and haunt you again. So, Greg glad, Ward, you're all mine in 2020. I'm, I'm glad, glad, glad to see you over it, Sean. Uh, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm to- <laughs> totally passive. and I don't ever think about Greg Ward whatsoever. Uh, when you go to the hospital, do you, you, do you get... <laughs> have you ever seen oh, Greg Ward? Oh, very good, very good. Oh, and um, by the way, Sean, just look up on in terms of the Eagles depth chart. I have definitely got name of the day for you. It's the backup wide receiver, a Mr. River Craycraft. River Craycraft. There you go. Name of the day. Oh, I've missed that. I've missed that segment on this podcast, mate. Name of the day. When I took it back. Talking of um, our Fager Whiteside, I have to actually because he introduced. Oh, he's done it! He's done it! He's done it! <laughs> no, no. The reason, the reason I bring it up because obviously we got him to introduce the podcast. I'm gonna have to go back and I'm gonna go back and listen to see how he pronounces it because if he's do, if he doesn't the soft J or not or uh, enunciated uh, C, I have to see see what it says. There we go. Let's talk fantasy then. You've talked a little bit about Boston Scott Lightning Drafts. You've talked about Greg Ward at depth. So let's leave those two aside. I'm assuming, Tim, we're going to be looking probably more Sanders, Zach Ertz, although James earlier in the podcast, he did say, I don't know if it was on air or not, but I'll reveal it anyway, that he had Zach Ertz outside his top five tight ends this year, which is a bit of a surprise for someone who's so consistent. Certainly in an offense, he swallows up targets. Um, what are the, what other Eagles players do you think we should be looking at? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, for, for spells last season, Dallas Goddard was getting a lot of rub of the green. Um, and the only, only reason Zach Kurtz and Dallas Goddard got so much was just because of all the other uh, all the other wide receivers w- were going down. It just left Greg Ward to, to come and haunt Lawrence. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Miles Sanders... Miles Sanders is an interesting one. It'd be interesting to see what they do in the draft at running back. And I think that might take the gloss off a little bit of, of Miles Sanders, but he can do it all. And like I say, he had a, a monstrous stretch down the, down the back nine of, uh, of last season as well. So I, obviously with recency bias, I, I can see quite a lot of people taking Miles Sanders early. So we talk about fourth, fifth round maybe, which is probably... 
probably about where he'll go. Probably a bit too rich for my blood, especially if they do bring in a, a you know a, a bruiser to to kind of punch it in from the goal line because that'll take away a lot of uh, red zone stuff for Sanders. But he can, he's quite uh, useful. Um, but I think quite a lot of people will like him, so it means probably means I stay away. Carson Wentz, um, he'll probably be towards the double digit rounds, maybe rounds eight nine. Um, you because know, once you get past your Mahomeses and your Lamar Jacksons, everyone seems to wait anyway. So he'll probably be in that crop of uh, even in that's that's if well, he had a full a full season last year, didn't he? Regular season, so um, injury concerns not really too much in play there. So he'll be towards the back end of, of drafts. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, wide receiver, we haven't mentioned his name yet. Uh, I'll probably just leave him alone. He's not really got too much uh, too much to offer at this late stage in the season. He's always injured anyway. Uh, same with Deshaun Jackson. He's very much a boomer bust best ball guy. Uh, and I think, well, yeah, and tight ends, like I say, in dynasties, Dallas Goddard is, is quite uh, quite flavour of the month at the moment. So I uh, expect him to go uh, quite early in redraft as well. I think everyone's anticipating the passing of the baton. Yeah, we want to keep an eye on, like you say, Goddard. Obviously, uh, you know, was quite a high draft selection a couple of years back, wasn't he? And like you say, potentially his time could be coming. Let's have a that, quick... That, that famous draft selection with uh, David Akers coming up. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Uh, let's have a quick look at the betting then just a round off the NFC East podcast. And the Eagles are actually slight divisional favourites at 13 to 10. Mm. Um, and to win the Super Bowl, 17 to 1. Now, the reason I mention that and say in the way that I do is that although the Eagles are favourites for the division, they're a bigger price to win the Super Bowl than the Cowboys. Not quite sure how the bookies have worked that one out, but there you go. Um, is that, Lawrence, do you think a, a reflection on the fact that uh, Carson Wentz doesn't play in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, I yep. think so. I think so, I think without a doubt. That, that is the situation. Of, I think they're going to be going back in and, and um, you know, tidying up their books um, after, after listening to this. So, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the, the, the East, as I, as I said, I, I still think it's um, it's the Cowboys to lose, um, and I think the Redskins, you know, in terms of finishing the season, you know, it's another you know six and ten effort, it's, which is a shame, but at least at least it's an improvement on last season. I mean, anything's pretty much an improvement on last season, but yeah, I, I'd I'd be going, um, I'd be keeping the the Giants at the bottom. Redskins move up to third in the division, but nowhere near the playoffs. I've got the the Eagles kind of petering out an eight and eight, and I can see the Cowboys winning the division at ten and six, eleven and five. I'm sure you would second that, Tim. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting one. I think the prices are about right. It's it's going to be the Cowboys and Eagles jostling, jostling, jostling again for first place. But the thing is, with like last season, that they were so banged up and so injured last year, they still won the division. Now I know we're not handicapped by Mr. JG anymore, uh, so they're more clapping, clapping their hands. But I don't, I don't know. Just the coaching is just so good over in Philadelphia. They always seem to overcome injuries. They always ever seem to overcome things that, that kind of get in their way. And obviously I'm hoping Mike McCarthy comes in and, and kind of bat, bat, bats away all of the you know, past ghosts of you know, December Cowboys. Obviously it was famous when, with Tony Romo, you know, he's bottling it in December, but um, I, I think the prices, the prices are about right. So um, yeah, no, 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 qualms for me I'm quite happy to take Dallas at that price yeah I think again like you say probably going to be um, almost like two tiers within the division isn't there like you say Eagles and Cowboys probably fighting it out and then 
the skins and the joints having a battle over the third position. Um, I think you know, it wouldn't be a surprise to see um, you know, those two tiers finish either way around. So always a division to keep your eye out on. Um, obviously, boys, we've been giving everybody the opportunity to plug the social media side of things. They can Everyone can find us all at Full 10 Yards, so there's no need for us to do that at all. But uh, obviously get in touch with us at Full 10 Yards on Twitter, full10yards.com on the website. Leave us some messages. Uh, interact in terms of how you think your team will do if you are a fan of the NFC East or if you're a fan of anyone for that matter and have an opinion on the NFC East. Um, we are... Nearly done, boys. We've only got a couple of divisions left to go. Um, so thanks for your company this evening, boys. Been an absolute pleasure as always. And uh, anytime, anytime. Thank you, mate. Okay. We we will wrap up as we usually do with the immortal words of Kevin Cadle and say bye bye for now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.